Well, it's Christmas season. It's a time when the world shifts gears. I don't know if you noticed, but this year, Christmas decorations and stuff were going up in the stores like in September. And, uh, you know, make no mistake about it, they were gearing up for the buying season, not the Christmas season. But it really made it kind of weird for me because Halloween and Christmas stuff were like next to each other. So it was like witches and werewolves and wise men. Oh my, you know, it was uh, just a bit weird. November, things kind of get amped up. You start seeing people hanging garland outside and lights. And some, some yards are transformed into this winter wonderland. Others are transformed into kind of Disney on crack, but, um, you know, there, there's a house, uh, it's several blocks from me, I can see it from my backyard. It is a lighting extravaganza, or a visual assault, and my guess is the difference is determined by the distance that you live from that house, but, um, you know, it's, it's crazy. Most of you have your trees up now. How many of you got your trees up? Decorations. And now it is a sprint to get the gifts bought, the cards sent out, and there's calendars to coordinate, aren't there? I mean, there are a lot of parties this time of the year. You'll have parties in your home, at work. There'll be parties at restaurants and bars and clubs. Parties to be planned and parties to attend. It's, it's Christmas. It's part of Christmas. And I, I think about what a contrast that is to the very first Christmas. I mean, it was a silent night, truly. It, it took place in a very tiny, obscure little town called Bethlehem. There was Mary and Joseph and Jesus, newborn baby in a stable. And the main reason that they're even in Bethlehem, they were, they were registering. And they weren't registering for uh, shower gifts. They were registering, get ready, new taxes. Yeah! I mean, the reason why they're in the stable, no vacancies in the motel. There's no place for them in the end. And I'm thinking, that's not much of a party. The closest thing to a party that I find in the Christmas story it took place out in a field with a bunch of shepherds that were watching their sheep. And they received this personal announcement of the Savior's birth. It was a joyous explosion of, of angels in the sky. And I'm thinking, that's an invitation. You know, that, that we're going to talk about that a little bit later. We got the star in the sky. It caught the eye of a couple magi. I mean, these stargazers were kind of piecing together the celestial signs and the biblical prophecies. And they realized in that moment that the Savior had been born. And so they started packing. They started preparing. I I'm sure they were excited, but again, not much of a party. I mean, they may have had a going away party because these guys are preparing to leave, and they're going to be gone, and they know several years. This is going to be a hard two-year journey for the wise men. But that first Christmas, it went almost unnoticed, by most of the world anyway. 
The entire religious community missed it. I mean, you think about it. They had been waiting 2,000 years, watching and waiting for the Savior. They missed it. It was a silent night when the Savior was born that first Christmas. But things have changed since then, haven't they? Christmas has become a time of parties, time of celebration. But the first Christmas was quiet. Now, heaven celebrated. There was a party in heaven. That's why the angels got so excited. But that first Christmas, friends, a table was being set. A table was being set. A table was being set for a celebration that would change the world. You know, I often wonder if Jesus took his cues from heaven, and that's why he loved parties so much. You think about it, Scripture records, this might surprise some of you, but Scripture records that Jesus attended parties more than he attended religious affairs. He was into parties, picnics on a hill. They they had highbrow formal affairs that he would go to. He even hit a few keg vat parties in, in his life with outcasts. He partied with tax collectors. I mean, who does that? You know? Invite the guys over, the IRS, that you're going to pay your taxes. Let's have a party. And and they weren't just tax collectors. These these were dishonest tax collectors. Jesus partied with sinners, with prostitutes. And the bottom line, Jesus got a reputation. And it wasn't good. Jesus grew up in a culture that knew how to party. They had wedding parties, you know, that would last a week long. Now, that's a party, isn't it? As a country, Israel celebrated seven parties every year, seven celebrations. The whole nation would get together and party. One one of their celebrations was the biggest one of the year. I mean, it was a huge bash. And the whole nation would go to the capital city of Jerusalem. It was the feast of the Passover. They would all gather there. It, It was a law. It was the law Moses had given thousands of years before the birth of Christ. And what the people were to do was through the year, they were to save 10% of their income to be used for that celebration. Now, most of us know about the 10% that we give to the temple or was given to the priests or given to the church, the first fruits we've talked about. But Deuteronomy 14 talks about 10% that would be set aside annually for a Passover celebration. I want you to think about this. 10% of the domestic product of Israel spent in one week, one place, one big party. I'm thinking, that's a party. And it was a party that Jesus attended every year. You know, Scripture records that Jesus celebrated Passover on many, many occasions. Luke 14, there's a story, and Jesus is celebrating that particular feast in the story. It's, it's a high society affair. There are a lot of Pharisees, a lot of prominent leaders at the party, very religious people, people that attended temple every week. They were well-connected in the community, And they're at this party with Jesus. And they're sitting at the table. And Jesus is telling stories at the table. 
And some of the stories, making people at the table and at the party, very uncomfortable. And Jesus is very intent because he wants to make them uncomfortable. He's taking on some misconceptions that they have. He's challenging the, the status quo. You know, scripture says this, then he turned to the host. Next time you put on a dinner, don't just invite your friends and family and rich neighbors, the kind of people who will return the favor. Invite people who never get invited out. The misfits from the wrong side of the tracks. You'll be and experience a blessing. Jesus is looking around the table that day. And he says, you know what? Something's wrong. Something's wrong at the table. Something's wrong with the seating arrangement. He says, you know what? I, I think we need to invite some people that I'm pretty sure you don't think belong at this table. Now things are tense. Can you imagine? conversations getting pointed and so one of the guys at the table I think he was probably one of the peacekeepers you know he kind of assessing things he's looking it over and I think his intention was to kind of ease the tension in this moment and so it says one of those at the table heard this he says to Jesus blessed are those who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God Blessed are they. He's trying to rally everybody. He's, he's got this underlying assumption going on that this comment will ease that tension. That it'll bring everybody together. He wants everybody at the table to go, we're, we're all insiders. We're all a part of the feast. You know, the idea being, you know what, isn't it great to be at the table? Isn't it great to be one of the chosen ones, one of those that's been invited? Friends, he's pointing to a feast, a feast that will be celebrated in heaven one day. He's pointing to a feast that'll take place in the kingdom of God. And apparently everybody at that table that day knew what he was talking about. I'm going to guess most of us, we don't know. We have no idea what he's talking about. Everyone knew the feast he was talking about. It had been prophesied for 2,000 years. The, the prophets had talked about it. Kings had talked about it. Poets had talked about it. The, the prophet Isaiah, it's what he's referring to when he writes. He says, here on Mount Zion, the Lord Almighty will prepare a banquet for all the nations of the world. A banquet of rich food and fine wines. He's pointing, pointing to heaven. He's pointing to a feast that'll take place in heaven one day. No more tears, no more pain, everything made right. A table where God's people will gather, will celebrate. It's a table that's talked about in the book of Revelation numerous times. Jesus had talked about this table earlier in the day before the party. 
he was making reference to it when he said, people will come from the east and the west and the south, or north and the south. They will sit down at the table in eternity in the kingdom of God. This is the table Jesus is referring to at the party. And friends, this is the radical message that Jesus Christ embodied in Christmas. It's the good news that the angels were to sing about on that hill outside of Bethlehem. It's the table. See, Jesus says, you know what? I'm going to turn the table on sin. I'm going to make things right. It's why I came to this earth. You know, Jesus says, I'm going to make it right. I'm going to make it possible for everyone to have an opportunity to sit at the table in heaven. Jesus says, you know what? I'm going to make it possible for you to have a relationship with God. It can be reality. Jesus was preparing a table. Jesus was pressing the people that were sitting at the table that day when they were celebrating Passover. And I believe Jesus Christ would press us today. That he would press us to be so full of love, so full of grace, that we would wildly, radically invite people into the kingdom of God. I mean, some of you, maybe you're not sitting at the table. Some of you may be kind of investigating, checking things out. You know, you're not sure. You're not sure how God fits in your life. In fact, you're not sure there is a place for you at the table. I know talking to people, people go, you know, I've been watching from the outside, you know, looking at what's going on inside. And there's some things that make sense to me, some things that are appealing I got a lot of questions. I mean, there may even be stuff you long for, but I know what people wonder. Will I be welcome at the table? Will I be accepted at the table? Am I good enough? Do I look right? Do I act right? Do I have the right reputation? Do I have the right friends? Do I have the right job? Will there be a place for me at the table? Friends, that's why Jesus Christ came to this earth. Because God knew that you couldn't make it on your own. God knew you weren't good enough. I'm not good enough. You weren't moral enough. I'm not moral enough. I mean, he knew we're wrecks. We're broken. And there was a price to be paid. So we could come and sit at the table. So we could come and celebrate in that feast in eternity. It's why Jesus Christ came that very first Christmas. Christmas is all about that stuff. It's all about sin. It's all about brokenness. It's all about the wrongness. Huge, huge price that only God could pay. I think, why why would God do that? Because God wanted a relationship. God wanted everyone to have a place to be able to come to the table. First Christmas, when you read, when you read the Christmas story, 
you, you almost miss this. In fact, I believe if it's just a casual read, it's so subtle. It's so subtle, but it speaks volumes. And the writer of Luke, I know that Luke wanted us to get this because he mentions it three times, just almost back to back. Scripture says this, it says, And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. The angels proclaimed it to, to the shepherds out in a field, it says, But the angels said to them, Do not be afraid. For see, I'm bringing you good news of great joy for all people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who's the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth. There it is again, and lying in a manger. Think about the, the shepherds. Shepherds were outcasts. Shepherds did not get invited to parties. It was just the way it was in that day. They didn't get invited to feasts. They didn't get invited to gatherings. But the angels, they deliver this amazing news to shepherds. They are the first ones to see the Savior of the world. Come, come. Scripture says, so they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. I love the word haste there in the, in the Greek. It means reckless abandonment. It's uh, when children run after something without any thought, just go. Why? Why were they like that? Friends, they couldn't believe they got invited. They never got invited to anything. They weren't sure why they were invited, but they sure weren't going to miss it. And so they run. They run with a passion. They run from the outskirts of town to the stable. And when they get there, there's no fanfare. There's no party. They just, just find Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus. I mean, maybe there were some nosy bystanders. I don't know. But they find the baby. All wrapped up in pieces of cloth. Lying in a manger. It was a sign. It was a sign. These shepherds were able to look. And they go, you know, I don't know what a Savior looks like, do you? But that's him. That's him. That's the Messiah. The manger was a sign. It's what Jesus was going to be about his entire life. They find Jesus in the, in the manger. It's a statement. Jesus is in a feeding trough. For animals. It was a table. It's where the animals came to eat. So, the, so these outcasts, these shepherds, who never get invited to anything, are the very first ones to sit at the table with Jesus. No, they probably knelt at the table with Jesus. Christmas. <laughs> it started with people who normally do not get invited. They normally weren't even thought of 
And it starts with them coming to the table to see Jesus. I mean, God coming to this earth in the flesh to, to live, to dwell, to die. Why? Relationship. It was about relationship. Jesus was going to make the impossible possible. And I believe that that first Christmas, it screamed, come to the table. There is a place for you at the table. You know, the church is a table. In fact, I believe it defines this church. It defines faith fellowship. It's in our DNA. You know, that we are to be a place where people can be fed. You know, lots of talk about proteins these days. God's economy? Complex carbs are king. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. It's the ultimate. You know, it's what we're doing this morning. We're feeding on God's word. And those of you that have stepped over the line, made Jesus Christ your, your savior, you come to the table today. Come to the table to be fed. That's what we're doing. You know, food's being served. Why? So we can grow. It's one of our missions, to grow. But here, here's my concern. I'm speaking to Christians. If you're checking things out, just you can kind of listen in. Some of you are spiritually sick. The fact is, you're not in good health. Why? Because you kind of hit and miss when it comes to gathering at the table. You know, instead of dining on a regular basis, instead of making your way to the table, you kind of play it by ear. Kind of play it by ear. Eh, see if it works out. See if I happen to get up on time. Maybe show up if a better opportunity doesn't come up. So we stumble in. Every other week. Once a month. Friends, I want to say, no wonder you're weak. You know, it's one of the reasons you're not growing. One of the reasons you're stuck. One of the reasons you feel empty. Unsatisfied. A bit lost. It's one of the reasons you struggle. You need to be at the table. On a regular basis. Dining with us. Growing. Some of you. You're at the table every week. You don't miss. In fact, you love the table. And man, do you eat. Even, even snack during the week, you know. Study God's word. And, and don't misunderstand me, that's important. It's great. It's what we should do. It's how we grow. But some, it's all about feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me. Hey, 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 Fat Albert, you know. How many of you remember Fat Albert? <laughs> See, we've forgotten the mission. The mission. We've, we've forgotten we're not working out. We're not exercising because as we grow, we're to push back from the table. We're to serve at the table. Many of you were serving this morning. Some are serving right now. 
and we're to push back from the table so we can invite other people to the table. People who think they can't come to the table. People who are broken, disenfranchised. People who are lost, people who are sinful. You know, people who may or may not know they even need God in their life. People who make us uncomfortable. Christmas, friends, is about full access to this table. You know, Christmas is about making a place for people at the table. It's why every weekend we we spend a lot of energy and creativity trying to make God's word understandable. Trying to make it easy to digest because we know how important it is. You see at the table, walls come down. At the table with Jesus, impossible becomes possible. At the table with Jesus, I believe lives can be changed for eternity. Jesus was sitting at the table. He was sitting at that party. It was Passover. And he looks around the table. He says, something's wrong. Something's wrong. We need to invite some people to the table. People who challenge us. People we're not sure we like, let alone love. People we find irritating. People that look different from us. People that we're not sure belong at the table. People who are struggling, broken, living aimlessly. Friends, people who desperately need God, hear that. Jesus Christ says, I came for them. I came to save them. So here's the table. It's Christmas. Christmas is all about this table. And I want to get really specific with you and just ask you some questions. You know, who, who do you need to invite to sit at the table? Who do you need to invite maybe from your family? You see, here, here's what I know about people, is some of you are dreading this Christmas. Why? Because you're going to be with family, right? Oh, come on now. And you're going to be sitting at the table... And it's going to get really tense. And for some, the tension is so great, you don't even go to the table. You don't go. They don't come. It's just the way it is. This Christmas, I want to suggest you rearrange the seating table. You rearrange who's at the table. You get things right. It's a season to make a place at the table. It's a season to make a place in your heart. You know, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe your parents failed you. Maybe they broke a promise. Maybe they broke a trust. Maybe it was your kids. Your kids screwed up so many times that you you quit counting. 
You just quit counting. Doesn't matter anymore. Maybe it's a brother, sister. Maybe it's an in-law. Friends, I beg you, make this the year you invite them to the table. Whether you offended or they are the offender, whether you need to forgive them or you need to ask for forgiveness, you know, just own what you can, fix what you can, and let the rest go. Because at the table, the impossible is possible. Why? Because of Jesus Christ because of what Christ has done. But who, who do you need to invite to the table? Who do you need to invite to this seat? Now, I'm thinking about people that maybe you've dismissed in your life. You know, you've relationally disconnected for whatever reason. Again, maybe they failed you. Maybe you failed them. Maybe they broke a trust. Maybe it was a misunderstanding. Maybe it was something that just got out of hand. But something happened, and it destroyed the relationship. Old friend, maybe, colleague, someone you had a falling out with, maybe at church. I want to challenge you to sit at a table, you know, maybe restaurant, you know, get some coffee. Sit down, work it out. Work it out. You know, maybe, maybe it's an ex. I mean, maybe, maybe things got really ugly. And there's a lot of anger and a lot of bitterness. And friends at the table, you can lay it down. You can ask for forgiveness. You can give forgiveness. It is possible for a better day. Want to take it up a notch? Who do you need to invite to sit here? I, I challenge you to look around at your sphere of influence. This is where you do life, okay? Who do you need to invite to that table? Maybe it's the neighbor that you wish would move. Maybe it's the coworker that gets on your nerves. You know, maybe it's the boss or the employee or the classmate that you don't get along with, you don't respect, you can't stand. Maybe it's the person that just makes you uncomfortable. Maybe it's the person you have absolutely nothing in common with, so you think. Maybe they don't look anything like you. People who are hurting broken people whose lives are such a mess it just confuses you they desperately need God and I challenge you have a cup of coffee with them sit down at the break table with them but invite them out to lunch and just talk just talk you know ask Jesus Christ to give you the courage to just take the step to invite them to the table? You know, ask the Holy Spirit to tell, tell you and to help you with what you would even say. I guarantee you when you do that, the Holy Spirit will fill that in and help you. And you will be blessed and you will bless them. What a Christmas gift. 
I mean, who do you need to invite to this table? Who do you need to invite to the table called the church? You know, faith fellowship. It is the most important invite you will ever make. You know why? Because in that chair, that person's eternity is in the balance. That should make us pause. And I'm going to be blunt. Again, I'm talking to Christians. If you're sitting here and you're a Christian, and you go, I'm, I'm not really sure I know anybody that needs God. I'm not sure I'm willing to risk that. I'm not sure I want that person at the table. Friends, wake up. It is Christmas. Christmas is all about the table. It's why Jesus Christ came to this world to give everyone access to the table. He says, you know, come to the table. They're, they're welcome. They are invited. It's why I came to this earth, Jesus said. I, that's why I died on the cross. That's why I rose from the grave so that there would be a place at the table for anyone and everyone that wants to come. Some of you, the question is, will you come to the table? You know, for some of you, you've been putting it off. And I know how this goes. You go, well, if I'll come to the table when I'm good enough. I'll come to the table when I, when I get my life straightened out. Friends, you just need to come. It'll always be messy. You'll never feel like you're good enough because you're not. Neither was I. You just got to come to the table. You got to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. Make him Lord of your life. There is a place for you. And this Christmas, Jesus Christ is waiting for you at that table. Now, there's one more table I want to talk about, and that's the communion table. It's what we center around. You know, right before Jesus would leave this earth, before he would be crucified, he met with the disciples. And it was the last time that those disciples would all be together. They'd never be all together again. And they, they were celebrating Passover, Again, the big party that we talked about at the beginning. And it's around that table, Jesus is defining things again. You know, one last time. It says, while they were eating, Jesus took a loaf of bread. And after blessing it, he broke it, gave it to the disciples and said, take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup and after giving thanks, he gave it to them saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is the blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. I tell you, I will not never again drink of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. He's saying he's going to drink it at the feast in heaven will be the next time. 
He's pointing to the table again. Jesus would go to the cross. He would die on the cross for the sins of the world. And three days later, he would walk out of the grave. Victory. Salvation won. And it's real interesting to me when you read the account, one of the very first things that you find is Jesus is at the table again. He's at the table. He, he, he has now declared the victory. And he's sitting with some of the disciples. They, they don't know who he is yet. The scripture says this. When he was at the table with them, he took bread. Now, they're not taking communion here. They're just, they're eating together. He gives thanks, breaks it, and began to give it to them. And then their eyes open. And they recognize him. They would take the cup. He, he wouldn't at that point because he's waiting for the feast in heaven. But friends, it's at the table the disciples realize Jesus is alive. It's at the table that they find hope again. And I believe it's at the table that we find hope. You know, Jesus arrived in the world. I don't think it was a mistake. He was in the manger. Because Jesus, I think, wanted us to know it was about the table. The Christmas was about making a place at this table and ultimately in the table in heaven for everyone. People that don't deserve it, can't earn it. People that are a little bit broken like you and me. And so it seems to me this Christmas we're going to start things a little different. And we're going to start at the table. And we're going to celebrate communion. Because it's what Jesus was all about. Community. Bringing people together. Come, come as you are. Come as broken as you are. As sinful as you are. As messed up as you are. Just come. I'm going to have prayer uh, ushers will dismiss us by rose. Everyone is welcome. If you're a Christian, come to the table. Some of you, maybe today's the day you need to take the step to give your life to Christ. You've been putting off sitting at this table. Today's the day. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be down front over here. I'll be glad to pray with you to make that step of faith. And then you'll be welcome to celebrate. There'll be people down front to pray with you if you'd like them to pray with you. But this Christmas, we're going to start at the table. And I hope you find your place at the table. And I hope God embeds in your mind the people that you need to bring to the table in your life. Let's bow in a word of prayer together. Our holy God, You have made a place for every one of us. 
You made a way. You made it right. You turned the table on sin. You broke the back of walls. Tore them down. God, we praise you for that, and we thank you for that. God, only you could have a love that great. God, I pray that that love would just spill. It would spill from everything that we say, everything that we do, Lord, that as a church, we just say, come as you are. We'll love you where you are. We'll work with you where you are. God, I thank you for the celebration in heaven. I pray it would spill into our lives and into this world that we would we'd party with heaven. God, I pray that as we partake of this bread and this cup that we'd be reminded of the unbelievable price you paid, the sacrifice to make a place for us. We give you the glory, we give you the praise this day and every day. God's people said, amen. Let's celebrate together.